and good evening. My name is Austin. I'm Zach. I'm Stez. And welcome. The evening when they're listening to this. And welcome to another (laughs) episode of Unofficial Soundtrack Podcast. Again, I'm Austin. (laughs) I'm Zach. I'm Stez. Oh, my God. All right. Well, uh, it's, always, la- it's always evening around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> it's always evening. Uh, well, anyways, moving on. So last week we had a great episode, and Stez picked uh, a movie, which was yeah. pretty awesome. But before we get there, how have you gentlemen been? Just working, man. It, working it's been hard. like over a week since we did our last show. It's been like at least two weeks. I think it's over two weeks. Yeah, two or three weeks. Um, the world has changed once again. The uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder are no longer in the bubble of basketball playoffs, mm-hmm. which is useless information to most, but <laughs> it's somehow a current event as of like 30 minutes ago. Uh, and there's a lot more important stuff going on in the world, too. <laughs> but it's good to have distractions back, right? I mean... Yeah, in a way. It's, it, it's, it can be good, but it also makes you think like, wow, I'm distracting my mind so much from what's actually going on here. Hmm. That makes more sense. When you were saying OKC earlier, I thought you were talking about OKCupid. I was really confused. No. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not an OKCupid guy. <laughs> I well, uh, stare at the wall and hope that someone will talk to me, guy. <laughs> Well, we know what Stefan's doing on his <laughs> spare time. Yep, jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Stez, how you been? Uh, jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> There's no editing. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, we're just going to get into it. What movie did you pick? So I picked uh, Possession by um, a Polish director called Andrzej Zalowski. This was his first and only, I think, only English film that he did. Um, So I will describe the movie in the way that he described it. It is about a woman who cheats on her husband and fucks a squid. When you said he described it, (laughs) I uh, I was just hoping you were going to say, this is my only English movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's also kind of how he describes it, too. He talks, uh, in his commentary, he does talk a lot about how he... Did not have that great of a time making an English-speaking uh, movie, and how it was definitely why he never made another one after that. He just he did not have a good time. Did he say if his crew was all speaking in Polish the whole time, or like? I believe it was because so he is po- Polish, but he after his f- first or second movie, uh, The Devil, it was banned in Poland, so he stopped working. Po- had to go to France to do work. So a lot of his mm. crew became French after that. So okay. I'm sure a lot of it was more French and German and English speaking people because yeah. it was filmed in Berlin. So in, in East Berlin. Yeah, right? so let me actually get into the plot of the okay. action. Let me actually get into the plot of the movie. So it's about uh, a spy who spy in East Berlin in nineteen in the nineteen eighties. So it's very the Berlin Wall is very much there. And it kind of serves this symbolic purpose of like, you know, a separation between marriage and separation between the states, you know. The, mm. it, it serves a symbolic purpose as well as just this very interesting imagery that you constantly see. Um, and then, so he, the spy comes back from whatever mission he's doing and then finds out his wife is cheating on him. And then it just goes on from there. Like, I really don't know how else to describe it without yeah. spoiling it from like going on from there. It's, it's also really funny that they address that he's a spy at the very beginning and the very end. Mm-hmm. And then in between, there's no, no mention yeah. at all. There's also kind of just no point, you know? And like, yeah. you could take those away and, like, yeah, eh, him being a spy doesn't really matter too much. But yeah. it does add a lot. More Maybe that, that was like the reason why they were in East Berlin or something. I don't know if that was his reasoning behind it or. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Uh, it's, yeah. It's a very interesting movie because, yeah. like, in the beginning, too, because the tone is kind of all over the place, too. It is. It's kind of funny in the beginning, too, because it's like starts with that serious talk where they're in that very almost Kubrick esque looking room, you know, and he's mm-hmm. getting debriefed. And then the last question is like, So, 
does he still like pink socks or something like yeah. that? And it's like, what, what, is, what are they talking about? And then at the end of the movie, the guy who asked that question yep, has, has pink the, socks. No, exactly. Which begs question, was he a, mm-hmm. a doppelganger exactly. the whole time? What, that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it at the beginning because the first few shots were, I didn't even think about it until you said it. Very Kubrick. Mm-hmm. What does that What does that mean, though? Like, because I, it's funny because when you said that, it immediately made me think of that. But I, I would, I can't quantify that or or, Kinda, or explain you it. You know the symmetrism, symmetry. There you go. The symmetry of like a West Paul Anderson movie, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but less charismatic. You know what I mean? Because Kubrick has it's more sterile. He's he's got very sterile and then very purposeful shots. Yeah, lots of long, slow shots. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that shot in uh, going back to one of the movies that we've reviewed in the Black Coat's Daughter at the yes. very beginning when you see uh, I think it was Rose for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and she's about to get her picture taken, and there's that really slow pan uh, to the right that kind of follows her. That's kind of like yeah. What a Kubrick shot is. Got like. it. There's a lot of lot of dead space right. and, yeah. and a lot of symmetry too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot of sure, color sure. too. A lot of color. Yes. Or an absence of color. Like yeah, he has a lot of white and like beige in some of his yes, shots. Exactly. Yeah. Is it is it fair to say like so dimensionally it's like like visually it's not flat, but almost like emotionally it kind of feels that way. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Does that sound about yeah. right? Because okay. that's kind of the the uh, criticism of Stu- of Kubrick's films is that it is very emotionless, <laughs> you know. They, it, it, which is like again, uh, which is what Nolan is trying to is also fighting against too. It's just that a lot of his movies very yeah, emo- okay. feel very emotionless. You know? Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. sterile. You know. So. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that either. But th- so what I like about this director and this movie specifically is that he has influence in so m- from so many different places. You get stuff like from Ingmar Bergman's and these these like close-up shots are almost very abstract and then you get these weeping sweeping shots that make you very uneasy they're very like brian de palma and it's just i love how he just takes all these different shots and just puts it in this movie even Mm -hmm. if it totally doesn't make sense and it just it creates this like very uneasy like you know comfortable feeling throughout the whole movie it's it's Mm. i I love the way it's shot it's Mm. yeah he says it in his commentary it's like english-speaking movies would not shoot movies like this because it's just because of how English-speaking movies are are made, and he gets he goes into a huge yeah uh, speech about that. But so 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 now we know a little bit about the plot. Why did you pick this movie? Because this is a completely bonkers movie. Uh, it is I, one of my favorite. Like when I think of my favorite horror movies, I go to this one because it's just unrelentless. You know, the performances are in, on, like completely like raw. You know, they are, are very, very raw, yeah. And very just like unforgiving. I don't know. It, they just they give it their all in these performances, and I, I appreciate that. And that's what you need when you go for horror, right? Which is mm-hmm. why it can become cheesy if it's not done well. It can be very cheesy and hammy. And and just, to, to be fair, like there are some pretty cheesy parts, there like is. especially there with is. Sam Neill, because Sam Neill is one of the main characters. He's Mark in this yes. movie. Yeah. Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. From Jurassic Park and Hunter Event Horizon. Yeah. Horizon. But this is one of his early roles. And he's clearly like a young actor and he's trying to yes. ham it up, mm-hmm. you know? And there are s- some shots where he's clearly acting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which I think also kind of helps to the atmosphere. Of yeah. This, like this guy is so desperate. He just like, you look at him like a lovesick puppy almost because he's just like, the way he is, what's, what's her name? Like, uh, Anna? Anna, yeah, yeah. Every time he's just like, Anna, you know, he like yeah. cries for it. You're just like, you just, I don't know. It's no, he, okay. So in the beginning of this movie, uh, he gets back home and finds his son with his wife. And then his wife kind of rejects him. And mm-hmm. she's like, I found someone else and goes off with him. And that sends Mark, who is Sam Neill's character on this whole, like, existential bender where he's just like locked himself in his room in some unknown like hotel or something and he's clearly just in complete distress Mm -hmm. and he played that really well and then when he finally comes back and finds his kid bob and he's just been neglected neglected Mm -hmm. and abandoned and uh it's it makes it that much more like affecting yeah you know 
But there is the scene where he like he hits the wife and it's very cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good and powerful scene, but yeah. like it is the way it's done is very dated. And it's just like slap. Yeah. Slap. I don't know. It's just like But speaking of the the acting in this movie, Anna's character so is ho- holy the, shit. That one of actress the best performance knocks it out of the park. Ever. Like the the scariest parts of this movie for me are the shots of her just staring into the camera. And there's there's a bunch of shots where she's having a conversation with someone and it quickly veers into like a monologue and she just starts to uh, position her face so it's kind of going towards the camera and then she just looks directly into the camera like Mm -hmm. she's talking Mm -hmm. at you and she's clearly insane. You know, or she clearly has something that is not herself that Mm -hmm. is controlling her. You know what? I agree. I think she's. I don't want to say she carried the film, but I mean she was so good. And and from what I the the quick research that I did when I after I watched the movie with you guys seems seems like she she won a lot of stuff from that performance. Um, so I don't think it was it went unnoticed, which she is which a is very good. Prominent French actress. Oh, great. Yeah. So um, what I liked about her, or one thing that was jarring for me, is so like like you were saying about that one scene where she's turning around. Um, for me, it was the the title, right? So the the movie is called Possession, yeah. and we talked about it right after the movie. It's like three quarters of the movie isn't even a horror movie. It's like a drama. Like you don't mm-hmm. even know why it's considered a horror movie until really the last third act, right? And uh, and so watching this like drama piece which is still really gripping i mean zach you were literally leaving that night and you yeah. saw the first two minutes you're like nah oh, i'm can just I, gonna can stay. I just stay over tonight <laughs> and yeah. you just grip but it's you know it's a drama for the first two thirds and she's an amazing actress and but the whole time you're watching this drama and you're going it's a horror movie and it's called Possession. The fuck? Where is the possession? What yeah. is going on? Other than the Sam Neill yeah. thing in the beginning. And it, the Sam Neill thing, like... which at the beginning I thought, okay, that's why Possession. Maybe he's right. getting possessed. But then you go through the first third and you're like, wait, okay, I guess he was just drunk. I guess that wasn't mm-hmm. really the possession, right? And then she has that scene in the subway. Yeah. Where she's convulsing and well, it's... The, the miscarriage scene. And she has yeah. a miscarriage of in the middle squid of an empty yeah. s- subway. Fucking yeah. crazy that ass scene. Yeah. And that's where you're going, oh my God, I've been waiting for possession this entire time. Now this is a fucking horror movie. And I yeah. think that's what that's when it got me. And, I, and that movie just fucking but it's, went to the next level. It's so, so simple. Like, there's nothing yes. crazy. Go- it's literally a woman just screaming in a subway. Yeah. Like, literally, if you break yeah. it down. If moment. you break it down to that, but yeah. But it's so powerful. Like, once you have the context. But it's not even the context. just that performance. Because the first time I even heard about this movie was that clip. Yeah. I saw that clip and I was like, I need to see this fucking movie because yeah. I need context to see what I just watched. Like, and she and goes then, through a whole range of emotions in yeah. that scene too. And then the end, which is like, uh, ch- sister Chance died, and all that left was sister yeah. Faith or whatever. Dude, That's I like, wrote so that powerful. down because I loved it so much. Um, what I miscarried there was Sister Faith. What was left is Sister Chance. Yeah, so I had to take care of my faith to protect it. Powerful. But There's I, a lot of like mm-hmm. really subtle religious undertones going yes. on here. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a whole lot of very direct religious imagery except for the scene right before that where In Anna goes to a church yep. and she's staring at this statue of Jesus and just kind of moaning and she just keeps moaning more and more and louder and louder and that's when she starts to have a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And then she goes in the subway and completely has mm. a miscarriage. And and then from there, you find out that she's harboring this creature in this derelict depart- apartment in the middle of fucking nowhere, East Berlin, you know? And that's what really got me for this movie. Because, like you said, it started off as this, like, weird spy mystery. And then mm-hmm. it became this drama. And then it... With that scene, it went to like kind of a gore-based horror movie, and then like religious parody, parody, and then at the very end, it's like getaway action. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the ending was a little strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I will I will say this about the the beginning though. Like he does 
make the mundane very as crazy as the other stuff that's going on. Yeah. Because like, even if you look at the drama stuff, it's pretty nuts. You're like a, a spy who's in East Berlin is like going through a divorce, right? With has a kid, and then the the divorce or the the wife is cheating on this German, you know, like swinger guy Heinrich. Like Heinrich. Yeah, so, we got to talk about Heinrich. So it does. Oh God, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. The way he like moved around. Oh my God. Yeah. I hated him. Constantly he was so weird. German. He was so. Yeah, it was awesome. The fight scene between him and Sam Neill was hysterical. It's oh, like. Yeah. Yeah. Fight seat in quotes. <laughs> Just peak like '80s, terrible like z- no stunt coordinator <laughs> type of action. Oh, it was great, absolutely great. Like absolutely fake karate going on, and it was all very like, uh, like like you could tell they practiced it probably 20 minutes before they shot it. It was like mm-hmm. one, two, three, huh? <laughs> one. Two, three, <laughs> or maybe they like went through that choreography over and over and over again, but they're just like totally unathletic. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be that they had the best choreographer on set. Yeah, with them, but, but they're just so they unathletic. Just turned out to be Sam Neill and whoever this guy who played Heinrich was. Well, I would believe that too because we talked about it right after we saw the movie. How young Sam Neill was. He kind of yeah. reminds me of that that actor who played uh, what's his face in uh, Bates Motel. He had that same like yes. gangly body posture and, mm-hmm. and just like his movements were all like exaggerated and yeah, uh, He's so the really tight pants. Yeah, he he very just looks body. very yeah. unathletic. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, you can push him over. Like yeah, not yeah, like yeah. he's a push, but yeah, it's like, like where is the center of gravity? That's right, non-existent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it looks like he drank a lot of water and smoked a lot of cigarettes and didn't really intake much else. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a good way to describe their their potential diet. Yeah, I mean, it was the eighties, right? So right. It w- it was nineteen eighty one. Yeah, there you go. So a notable person who did work on there. Sorry, my Stefan fact of the of the week. Um, Carlo Rambaldi. Did the uh, design of the creature? I have no idea. Who he did that. the design of ET. Oh, from wow! The movie nice. ET. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. As weird as that scene was when you finally saw the creature, it was amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. really well designed. Very it's convincing. Holy fuck! And it did well with the lighting too, so you can't completely make it out. Oh and God. so you're just like at least that, just enough for your imagination. But it was, it was so like crazy. wet. Yeah, wet. He like, was oh, so squishy. Yeah, <laughs> it just looked squishy as fuck, which kind of disturbs me because of that sex scene. You're like, oh, what is yes. entering? What's not? And then she yeah. everything's so squishy. Almost. Like, what is going on? <laughs> yep. Huh? She says oh, almost, almost. Which yeah. you know, you find out eventually yeah. that yeah. this creature is becoming Sam Neil. Yep. Well. That movie was bananas. It was. I did write down a couple more quotes that I thought were pretty entertaining. Um, The first time we meet Heinrich was when Heinrich comes to Mark's apartment. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of their interaction, he's like, the only thing to fear is God. (laughs) And then Mark says, God is a disease. Then Heinrich is is like, that is why disease brings us closer to God. And then he just like karate's down the stairs. <laughs> that was hilarious to me. Um, and then at the very end, uh, you get you get Sam Neill talking to the guy in the pink socks from mm. the beginning of the movie, right. who's like his spy debriefing guy. He looked like a uh, twat. <laughs> he looked like a guy that was in the like. Like he he played bass or guitar for like a seventies pop star. Like that's kind of what yeah, he looked like. Like he was an ABBA as like an unknown <laughs> background yes. musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, AKA a twat. Yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Continue. My bad. But at the very end, like those two characters are talking, and um, they're talking about like love and death or something. And then Mark says, "I met a man who loved everything." And then he died in a flood of shit. <laughs> he was talking about when he killed Heinrich right. in this bar bathroom and flushed the toilet on him and uh, poured his drugs all over him. I, I was going to say, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was one thing that puzzled me. Not that I'm a... Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, that, not that I'm well-versed in the use of drugs, but I also understand some basics. <laughs> And the fact that, like, 
the way he killed him and then the way he sprinkled his drugs, I'm like, how did that look like a suicide? Like, how yeah. is that convincing as a suicide when you bash somebody's head in, stick their to- head in the toilet, and then sprinkle their fucking cocaine? No, what was it? I forget what it was. Whatever some, it was. Some kind of hallucinogen. On top of his head. I'm like, I don't see how that... You know, like a cop, maybe, I don't know, maybe 1981 forensics was just terrible. But I feel like He's somebody walk in, in and be like, no, somebody bashed his fucking head in and then sprinkled crack on D- his detective, head. Detective, what do we have here? <laughs> well, we have a bashed head and he has minor bruises on his wrist. But there's drugs sprinkled around him. So, overdose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the, I'm like, what the fuck? That's that's the Eastern Bloc philosophy of 1981, yeah, man. Yeah, apparently. I don't know. I, I don't know if that bothered you guys as much, but that bothered me when I saw that. I'm like, what? I thought it was just How really is this funny. convincing? It's funny got, like, stabbed, dude. It's just, like, yeah. multiple stab wounds in the victim. I also thought but it was... There's drugs around him. Yeah. It was also just really funny because uh, Heinrich was talking to Anna about, like, I have this drug that will transform what you think about the world and it's supposed to be a hallucinogen and then it turns out he just cracks open this little mini paper bag full of white powder and it's like no hallucinogens don't come in that state usually no. it's just a bag of flour the it's, hallucinogens already in your mind bro salt <laughs> have you ever tried dmt <laughs> all right what well, uh joe rogan Sorry, uh, no, we'll, we'll go to that. the next podcast <laughs> Yeah, dude, that this movie was uh, super fun. I'm glad that I think this was the first movie we all watched together. Yeah, thing, it was the thing. The thing. Well, yeah, we watched oh, okay. the thing, we, but that one we, we don't count because we've all yeah, seen that movie sure. previously, right? But this was the first time that Zach and I saw a movie that you yeah. recommended all at the yeah, same time, yeah, I agree. and I thought it was actually really fun. I hope we get to do that more often. Yeah, same. It was really enjoyable. So I do have an idea for a Halloween episode. There's a heavy... Keep that on the burner, though. Okay. Okay, never mind. That okay. has to be a surprise. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, surprise! We have a surprise Halloween episode <laughs> for you surprise dedicated for <laughs> listeners of Unofficial Soundtrack Podcast. So stay tuned and So please keep listening months. to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it was really fun. I, I really appreciate that. I'm surprised that you liked it as much as you did. I don't know why you guys keep saying that. Uh, oh, it's just so far, the only movie I legitimately didn't like was Holy Mountain. So far, everything you guys thrown at me, I've enjoyed. Yeah. Even Gore Guts, I, I didn't really hate. It was just hard. It was yeah, hard to listen to. It is hard. The only thing so far that I didn't actually like is probably Holy Mountain. I just the That's fucking okay. end just pissed me off. Still, yeah. The more I think about the movie, the more I don't like the movie. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. But I don't you know, know why you keep saying that. I, I, I yeah. I, I really. Maybe liked we're it. just underestimating you, and I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't underestimate you because you're, maybe you're going I'm, through this fucking journey with us. Maybe I'm transforming, True. or yeah. maybe I'm full of shit and I'm just agreeable. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I've legit. I really enjoyed everything that you guys threw at me. Well, Disclaimer, well hold that on. thought, and let's talk about Leviathan. Well, we'll yeah. talk about the album right yes. after the break, and we'll see if you still love everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Let's let's take spoiler alert. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so let's uh, let's freshen up some drinks, and yeah, you're right. Let's talk about Leviathan afterwards. Spoiler. And welcome back. We are all topped off on our favorite mezcal. Mezcal. Brought to Mescalero. you by. Brought to us by our lovely Texan here. Who's Texan here? Is that, is Stas, that a aren't you from, aren't Texan you from here? Texas? Texan here. All right, we're getting off track again. This is, this is <laughs> the beginning all over again. All right, we're getting back on. So, Zach. So, we all talked about the movie. We, we seem to all enjoy it. Mm. We all had a great time with it. But I will say. I was interested in what you picked. And it actually took you quite a while to pick it. True. It Granted, it you had yeah. some friends over and all that stuff. Yeah, well, we had we had some life events happen yeah. mm-hmm. in between. For sure, for sure. Um, but I was I was looking forward to what you picked because this movie was a little different. Granted, so far, every movie you guys, or every album and movie we picked has been very different. So mm-hmm. it yeah. seems a little cliche. But, um, but it's unlike the other... Five, four, four albums that you've or movies that you've paired. Yeah. So um, this one 
is an interesting pick. So, Zach, over to you, my friend. Yeah, so this one did take me a while. And it wasn't necessarily because I didn't have something in mind, but I was just more trying to find something that made sense to me, at least. Mm. Because, as you described, when we watched this movie for the first time, I we watched it together and then I stayed over. And then the next morning, I actually woke up and was thinking about it and got a very specific idea of the type of music that it made me feel. Mm. Um, and that is one man, depressive black metal. Ah. And that is exactly what Leviathan is. And um, so the next morning, I, I was thinking about doing an album by this band called Zasthur, which is um, another one-man band who, um, he's from somewhere in California. And so is Leviathan is this guy named Rest, Rest with a W-W-R-E-S-T. And he's also from California, but Zasthur is from Southern, Southern California, and his music's a lot sloppier. And Possession has a lot of really refined movie-making qualities yes. to it. So I wanted to pick something that was a little more, I guess, musically polished. So that's why I picked this album in particular. So the album I picked was Tentacles of Horror. That is Very fitting. Horror spelled W-H-O-R-R-O-R. You got, you got to say it like Frank Reynolds. <laughs> Tentacles of Horror. <laughs> so, so, so this was like, this was your second, third choice, something second. like that, right? This, so actually, I sent a different album right. to you guys. Um, I had a, a after some some thought, mm. some time to stew on everything. I knew the genre that I wanted to do, but I didn't know the specifics of what I mm -hmm. wanted to do. And then I I knew that I wanted to do a Leviathan album. And originally, I was going to do this one called Howl Mockery at the Cross, which is what originally I sent to you guys right. and was like, okay, the wait is over. <laughs> Here it is. And then like several hours later, I was like, actually, it's going to be this album. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but as soon as we, because me and Austin were in the car together when you sent that, uh -huh. the second one, we're, as soon as we saw the title, we're like, oh, no, that makes sense. I see why, yeah. we're like, I see why you picked this one over the other Just one. from the title. But yeah. yeah. And I mean, on surface level, the title alone, yeah, it's a pretty good fit. Some, it's a yeah. great fucking fit. It can so. put some ties yeah. into the movie because you basically see a woman be overtaken by a tentacle monster. Mm -hmm. Or she's overtaking a tentacle monster. Maybe, you know. She, she I don't the, think so, but the monster. But anyway, so I chose Tentacles of Horror because it's it's not necessarily a concept album or anything like that, mm -hmm. but a lot of its lyrics are about submission, whether it be forced or unforced. And we'll get into a little bit more of this later, but I also wanted to pick a one-man black metal band in particular because, number one, there are a lot of artists within black metal who are just, it's just one guy mm. or one, one woman too. I think there's, there are a few bands out there who are just one woman black metal bands, but a lot of them are one man black metal bands and they do absolutely everything. They That's do all of the instruments, crazy. all That's of the production, crazy. all of the engineering, and it is completely their creation. I, to be honest, I can hear that in the music. Yeah, um, it's raw. Not, it's fucked. It's dude. really raw, and it, not to discredit them, but it definitely does sound, and, and as somebody that has tried making their own album in a sense where you try to play every instrument like there there is a specific sound to it and it's hard for me to 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 verbalize yeah but you can tell that every instrument is kind of played by the same person and maybe it's the tightness the particular tightness that comes with it or or because every instrument's kind of being played with the same type of technique mm -hmm. or the same very similar rhythm pattern or whatever you can kind of tell that it was a one-man band which is 
very cool in and of itself yeah, and right. extremely impressive because yeah. I know my one man band fucking album was absolutely terrible <laughs> in high school. So But you still made it. But but I made it and I and hope you know nobody what? listens rest, to it ever again. Rest would be proud of you, man. I think I have it on my Zoom. All right, please <laughs> destroy that thing. But anyway, sorry, Zach. Uh very cool. Continue. So um Leviathan was an entity that existed for years before this album was put out. This is only the second studio album put out by Leviathan. Before this, there were at least 10 demos released by Leviathan. And um, this guy, Rest, whose real name is Jeff Whitehead, he did all kinds of fucking shit before he went into music. Mm. Um, And he came from a very broken home. Mm. He went from halfway house to halfway house, after being an, being orphaned basically as a teenager, and then he became a skater who could have gone pro, and then he became Jesus. an artist and did a lot of graffiti and a tattoo artist who and he still does tattoo art today. And then eventually he kind of landed on black metal. Did he do his own cover art too? Yes. Yeah, I'm not he surprised. Did. So this is a man of no talents. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man of like immense, Jesus. like. <sighs> What's also really crazy to me and also really impressive is that he operates in complete isolation. That's insane. Like, he made this album apparently in his apartment alone. That's crazy. And did not really leave Mm. for extended periods of time. And um, there's this really interesting documentary that was put out by Noisy about one-man black metal bands. And it's about... Uh, Zaster and Leviathan and this other band called Streborg, which is a Australian one metal one man black metal band, but it's all about these three guys and how they completely operate within their own worlds and do not leave them. That's crazy. And their output is just insane. Mm. Like this album was put out in two thousand four, and by this point, Leviathan had like 15 releases. And he started in the 90s. Crazy. Like the mid to late 90s. So this guy just fucking holed himself up in his apartment in San Francisco. Hey. And nice. didn't do anything else. He just was completely overtaken by his oh. own personal demons. And crazy. you can really fucking tell. And his yeah. music can't be healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's really not that healthy. Is, I mean, just look at the fucking song titles on here. Heir to the Noose of Ghoul, Cut with the Night into Mine Heart, A Bouquet of Blood for Skull. Like, some of the lyrics on this album are extremely disturbing, mm-hmm. by the way. I wonder um, what shit he's creating during COVID. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's, it's interesting cheering? because... <laughs> He's like, everybody's like me. We're all in isolation. <laughs> or he's like, God damn. <laughs> I understand people. Like, yeah, I feel like he's like, God me. damn it. They're all crapping my style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, that's great. But he went on hiatus for, for years, um, not long after he put out this album. And wow. um, the last al- like full album he put out was 2015, oh, I think. Wow. And that was his like comeback album after not releasing anything for several years. Um, but let me just read you some of the lyrics to kind of give you an idea of maybe why I picked this album for, mm. for Possession, the mm. movie. This is f- some lyrics from the first track, What Fresh Hell, which, by the way, starts off with this very strange kind of dark ambient piece Mm -hmm, and then immediately goes into black metal mayhem and then there's a really cool riff where it slows down and it goes (laughs) okay let me read some lyrics for you her thoughts become scarcely human they infest and cloud her mind and she longs for this rotting ill and the grim bolt of her king she waits in bestial desire to meet her master's last words. Do you think I would accept just any soul willing to give itself to mine power? I torture and chastise you. Jesus. So. <laughs> fitting. Yeah. Very fitting. When I, after I saw Possession, 
maybe it was just kind of a subconscious thing that led me to this type of black metal. But mm. then when I listened to this album over again and read the lyrics, I was like, yeah, this is fucking it. <laughs> this is the one. And um, like I said earlier, a lot of the lyrics on this album are about submission. And um, I mean, there's the last track on this album is called The History of Rape. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ. Yeah, it there there is some heavy subject matter going on here. And I think a lot of what Rest is kind of dealing with with the lyrics here are um something like uh the guilt of being a victim, almost like Stockholm syndrome in a way. Like if you're if you're a victim, is there a level of enjoyment there and how horrifying is that? And that just really struck me and it's it's fucking terrifying honestly mm. to think of yourself as having no power yeah and having something completely overtake you and that's kind of what i was getting mm-hmm. with uh with anna's character in yeah. possession because she was so clearly tortured by this thing that we did not know about until like the latter third of the movie mm-hmm. and then when you finally see it you're like jesus christ yeah. this is the thing that's yeah. like driving her especially in the beginning of the movie you could tell that she's torn yeah mm-hmm. but you, you think know, it's like, heimlich, heimlich exactly and, and it's heimlich. you know it's a nice it's a nice distraction mm-hmm. uh to, to take you away from what is really driving her like zach said and it's and then when you finally see it, it's, like you said, fucking terrifying. Yeah. Oh, God. Cool pick, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you what do you think, man? So I actually thoughts? really enjoyed this album. I think next to the King Diamond one, this might be my favorite uh, oh, out of all the picks. Really? Now, favorite out of the picks in terms of you personally like the music or you thought it was the right pick? The, the, um, the, the former. Like, I, I really like this. this uh, the, the, oh, I'm sorry, the latter. Like, you I like really the, the, like music. the music. Yeah, I really yeah. like the music. I'm not sure which one. Cool. Dude, that's awesome. Because yeah, I really this, like mu- this, this music yeah. is pretty fucked up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad but, you like it. Like we were it. talking about earlier, there's just certain riffs that are just super fucking yes. catchy. And just Absolutely. Like, it just gets you going. And then That's another thing I was thinking about with Leviathan. The more I listened to it, the more I was picking up on these, just like the whole range of influence that goes into Leviathan's music because it's not just black metal that's in his his music there's number one there's a lot of dark ambient passages that go through it and sampling and then the riffs are just fucking outstanding i love the riffs like some of the riffs that you hear in this album could be on a fucking sludge album you know you could hear them even in like a really heavy power metal setting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like a high octane. Like mm-hmm. type of, yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and then, then the he drums just, are fucking yeah. insane. And so Jeff Whitehead is he has kind of gone on record as saying that he's a percussionist first and foremost. Uh, I was gonna, that was going to be my 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 next question was yeah what's his f- immediate skill yep. and that's that's his like preferred drums. instrument is the drums and you know what's crazy terrible. the drums on this album are all programmed drums yeah, oh weird that yeah weird yeah. yeah because i don't know if it was because he <laughs> he was recording this in an apartment and he couldn't have live drums because they were too loud or what but um and programmed drums are just kind of ingrained in the culture of black metal for some reason. Huh. Like even some of the earliest black metal bands use programmed drums, and the the production value in a lot of black metal is just so crude, and it's come to be that way. And it's come to kind of define some of the sounds. That, that's too. kind of interesting because the only other genre of metal that or subgenre of metal that I know that uses programmed drums fairly often is like prog metal. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, just kind of interesting. And there are some similarities in terms of like pacing yeah. and technicality. So I don't know. They're just used so differently. <laughs> yeah. um, Th- that's a good point. They're yeah. used very, very differently. Yeah, for sure. But in a way, I think one of the reasons that a lot of black metal bands use programmed drums is because, number one, some one-man bands just cannot play drums that mm-hmm, fast. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to have this extremely ripping section of a song, Mm. it takes so much endurance and skill to just 
play blast beats for a minute straight right you know so no that that's that's probably the reason why that prog metal uses the same thing because mm-hmm. how many so if you're let's say you're a really good guitarist and you live in montana and you just you've mastered that technique and you sh- you can just shred and you come up with these really intricate lines mm-hmm. and you're in high school you're maybe in early adult early 20s how what's your likelihood of finding a drummer that can keep up with you, right? It's very low. So a lot of the times I think they resort to that until their music. And and now with the internet, I think it's a lot easier that, okay, you use program drums, you, you come up with these crazy songs on your own. And then eventually you make a name for yourself to where a drummer that can play those beats are like, Hey, can I just play real drums with you instead? (laughs) And then they eventually happen. Right. And I, and, and I know so many prog, acts that kind of followed suit with that and i'm but it's curious that black metal continues to be a one-man act i I find that really fascinating it's black metal has gotten to the point where it's there are so many bands that that do it now across the world too it's become kind of one of the most notorious and famous like sub genres of metal Mm. but why why black metal for like Bec- one man band because why one man band black metal yeah exactly i think it's it just kind of comes with the territory because a lot of the music is so grim and like depressing and and dealing with a lot of these topics about isolation and kind of confronting these things about yourself and the world head on and <laughs> A lot of times these guys maybe just don't have anyone else around them who would be mm, into it's a thematic that, choice. you know? <laughs> and that's actually another reason <laughs> that I I picked this movie or this album for this movie was because it really does embrace and delve into these really mm. dark subjects. Right. And Possession does too. And horror right, movies right. do as as a whole too. Yeah, and sure. fucking Holy Mountain does that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it goes into these dark places and is just like Deal with these. Be a better person. Continue with your life. You know. Zoom back. <laughs> yeah. Dude, fuck the movie. <laughs> so, uh, like, um, just playing sofa, sofa, uh, or couch um, psychologist here. Uh-huh. I wonder. I wonder if the reason why black metal attracts one man bands or one man bands can do black metal and like hearing you describe like what type of music that is and what goes into it. I wonder if it's, if it's because, all right, so you have one person that has all these insane emotions and feelings and they're very deep and profound, dark. Yeah. When it's one person, they channel that and they, and and maybe their outlet is to be creative and it comes out with this insanely dark and just kind of just raw music. Yeah. Because if if there was multiple people, if there was three or four of pe- of yeah. people with that that it. amount of emotion, it either they eventually kind of try to help each other out and they get through it to where they don't want to make that type of music, right. or it, I feel like it would go the other way. They they fucking either murder each other or which, which they turn happens. into a cult or something, right? Yeah. So I'm sorry, it's happened. It has happened. That this. So that's kind of one of the reasons that black metal is one of the most notorious subgenres of metal. Because in the early 90s, there was a band called Mayhem. And their kind of front man was this guy named Euronymous. And Great he name. was mm-hmm. kind of notorious for being this very boisterous personality in the Norwegian black metal scene. And there was another one-man black metal band called um Burzum. and the the guy in this band was named Varg and eventually he uh <laughs> Varg, Varg Vikerns and uh, originally Varg wanted to be in Mayhem because Mayhem is a, is a four piece and um their original singer shot himself in the head uh, because he just couldn't take it anymore um <sighs> And eventually, Varg and Euronymous kind of became chums, and Varg wanted to work at Euronymous's record store, and uh, Varg murdered Euronymous. Oh, Jesus. And uh, 
before he murdered Euronymous, he burned a bunch of churches down in, in Norway. Oh, my God. Jesus. And often he was with at least one other person who may or may not have been in some of these bands in Norwegian black metal. And so there's a lot of very sketchy history behind some of these Norwegian yeah. black metal bands. Wow. And... But the music is fucking nuts, man. <laughs> and um, it's really interesting to see how the genre has gone from that to Leviathan stuff, which is mm. kind of mid-period black metal, to now where it's just kind of encapsulating everything. Mm-hmm. And both of those styles, and also putting a lot of um, kind of psychedelic and progressive yeah. influences yeah, into the sure. sounds. And it's also just a genre that a lot of the fans are really standoffish. Um, and you, yeah, it's very much kind of I like a gatekeeper culture. A show, right? Where yeah, the guy man. Was like, yeah. Dude, yeah, going to black metal shows can be really fun, but it can also be really <sighs> kind of cringy in a way because there are some people there who just kind of judge you in a way. <laughs> Because you wear a different type of band shirt. Yeah. And like, you listen to that. Yeah. Or, or if you're not wearing black or if you don't have <laughs> long hair or, or just, oh, just whatever, man. And that's so sad. And that's that, like... That is right. That's what he was saying. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's one thing that is kind of a stereotype with yeah. metal, too. And it, it sucks, yeah. you know? Because there are so many more people who love this music mm. who are not like that. Yeah, true. Well... All right, Stez, so it sounds like you really enjoy the music as, yeah. as an album. So yeah, yeah. what did you think as a pick? So I picked that I agreed with. I definitely understood why you picked that one as you did because of I think me and Austin talked a little bit when we were in the car. It's very much another one of those it brings subtext into the light where mm-hmm. it very much plays on the uneasiness that's going on in there and the almost violent nature of, of the movie. Yeah. You know? It, it definitely very much plays with that and the certain i think we, we talked about earlier there's certain aspects that's very religious and similar to the movie there's certain aspects of it's very religious and then like i think it's the second or third song it has that like oh like a very yeah, yeah, holy that's, thing that's the first song but it has very like a very it. demonic t- uh, twist to it at the end and it's just yeah. like and i was like oh okay i get it like i immediately thought of that church scene when i heard that and it was just like there's mm. certain songs that my mind immediately went to certain scenes with. Dude. It, Interesting. Yeah, and I think we have a f- pretty similar way of way we, how we approach like finding the right album of the like, oh, movie. Oh, dude, I'm interested. What do, what do you think? Because I think of like, we definitely look at the lyrics. Uh-huh. And then like, see, because I think that's what sold it for me is when I looked at, because I was like, okay, I see why he picked it tonally, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as I looked at the lyrics, and obviously the title of the album helped, but I was like, oh, this makes sense because yeah. the lyrics are very much so of this i don't know not to sound misogynistic but like you know there's horrible woman who cheats on you and then like uses right. you and treats you like crap you know like it, it's like very much that but the tone is also kind of all over the place yeah like are you saying it's not a concept album and i'm like i agree it's not but it's almost a concept like there's a feeling yeah throughout like, the album for just sure a, a missing string that ties it all together right mm-hmm. and then there's certain, yeah, it, the tone is all over the place, which is kind of similar to the movie, where like, yeah, the tone. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of different types of movies in yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. So I very that's where I was like immediately when I saw the lyrics, I was just like, yep, I I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's funny because the the first listen in the car when you sent it to us, mm-hmm. I was actually on the other end. I was like, mm, I don't really, I don't really get it. Yeah, I don't really see where the connection is because it was just it was it was a classic black uh classic black metal where it was just i don't know heavy riffs and then the the thing with black metal for me is the the type of screaming mm, yes. very yeah. long ah. yeah <laughs> very demonic and very long and uh so so for me it was a little off-putting and and i, I didn't really see the fit um, but I will say around, uh, let's see, Vexed and Vomit Hex. So it was about mm-hmm. midway through the album. Yeah. Maybe kind of towards the end. Yeah, it's about midway. Yeah, about midway through the album. 
something clicked. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the pacing or what, but it all all of a sudden around that song, the album sounded like a fucking soundtrack. Yeah, like it's got this, it, it this pacing to it. That yeah, too. maybe that's what yeah. it is. Maybe yeah. it's when it slows down, it kind of matches that middle part of the movie where it's just a lot of confusion, and it's yeah. got this like it's it's tonally a little bit. I don't know, uh, damper and it's a little less mm-hmm. intense, but you got that rhythm kind of yeah. chugging along in the it's background, just that rhythm right? That adds so much to it. Yeah. And I was just like, okay. So about midway through the album, I'm like, okay, okay, this is this is I can dig this, I can dig it. And then at the end, picks back up, and yeah. I don't know. Then then this that type of screaming, that type of energy for some reason at the end, it fit with the movie. At the mm-hmm. beginning for me. A little, and then again, I only yeah. saw the movie once, so maybe I got to rewatch it and think about Sam Neill's like freak out in the beginning and the fights in the beginning. So maybe I'm not quite grasping that, but I know for the fact that the end of the album matched, so the middle to the end just matched really well from my memory of the movie mm-hmm. because it was a little bit slower. But then when we were introduced to the fucking craziness, the yeah. like that shit just, I was like, oh, okay, yep, that's fucking possession because it is. Yeah crazy and that's that's why this movie was was kind of hard for me to to pick an album for because it does start off kind of subdued and which um, is why it was hard for yeah because i wanted to pick a couple of albums that you already uh, suggested i want to use this movie but i was like because of like what you're saying dude so so that makes me think i I was also thinking about neurosis yes um, which I, i showed you neurosis uh, that was another big contender for this movie yeah. because it's kind of similar to Leviathan in that there's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of slower, like moody sample based right, sections right, right. in there too, with just like complete chaos in there. But, um, but yeah, the first third of tentacles of horror is, is really fast and kind of like nonstop. And, and I, I totally get what you're saying, Austin, because, uh, the first part of possession is kind of slow, you know, and uh, tonally it doesn't necessarily match up. And I kind of knew that going in and uh, I I wasn't necessarily like, okay, this is the perfect album for this Mm -hmm. movie because I don't think there's necessarily any album that's going to be perfect for this movie. But um, man, one, the thing that did it for me was there's a track in the very middle of this album called A Necessary Mutilation. And it's mostly dark ambient. And I remember here, I, I listened to this album uh, all the way through. And shortly after, I had sent you guys How Mockery at the Cross. And I was like, this is the album that will. <laughs> that will pair perfectly but then i listened to this album and what did it for me was i listened to the song unnecessary mutilation and immediately made me think of the miscarriage scene in the subway oh yeah and then i put on that with the sound on in the movie uh kind of synced up with Mm. this track that's like very creepy dark ambient with like some intermittent drums and like black metal howls in there and it was just fucking Fuck yeah. perfect yeah dude fuck yeah i you know what maybe we should I, I would like to rewatch that with with the soundtrack for sure i would say the beginning be i'm cool. sure i have to rewatch it because i did watch a little bit of the beginning match with the album and it did mm-hmm. kind of add a little bit more of an energy to the yeah. beginning there are moments, especially yeah. the the scene that we talked about earlier, the Kubrick scene, like, yeah, where the camera is kind of spinning around the room. Yeah, the, 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 the oh, movement of the camera yeah. it definitely fits that whole. Ad. But it's just the beginning of like, oh, he's going in the neighborhood, and yeah. then he drops off the bag, and it's, then it's they very have set. Much, yeah. yeah, it's very much a uh, you know they're they're going into this movie mm-hmm. slowly, and this Which, album is like. <laughs> Which is why there was one album I can't remember that you I think was the one I recommended Devil's Rejects for because it started out kind of no no that one started off fast I forgot it was one of them that started out slow and then I was like oh maybe it's Possession but then the way it kind of changed I was like oh it's mm-hmm. not a good fit but because it kind of had that slow ramp one of them I was like oh this would be good but mm-hmm. I'm glad 
I got to recommend the movie itself. <laughs> yeah. This worked out way better. No, no, this 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 worked out really well. I think uh, I think we all enjoyed. I, I really movie. liked Possession. Yeah, I was a I big really fan. This album. Yeah. <laughs> and the album was it was great. I uh, it's it's like like I like I keep saying almost every episode like I appreciate this this project because <laughs> I get to watch movies and listen to st- stuff that I've never listened to. And uh-huh. this again is another collection in my Spotify playlist that I've never would have listened to. So thank you. Mm. Thank and, you. Uh, and this movie was, this movie was great too. So thank you for picking that. So on a Zach's pick oh, yeah. for our next episode before we close for the night. <laughs> so, I, I was kind of split on what to do for this next one. Um, I, I was thinking of one particular album that would be, in a way, kind of a continuation of this Leviathan album, okay. but um, very different, a different type of metal that we haven't necessarily explored yet. Uh, but I decided against it, and I wanted to oh. throw you a bone a little bit, Austin. <laughs> okay. So something so, a little bit more more contemporary. Yeah. Accessible. Well, it's it's not contemporary. Oh, okay. Nice. But it's something that I think you will enjoy, and you've probably heard it all the okay. way through. It is Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Oh, fuck oh, yes. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> Iron Maiden. Fuck yes. Dude, I've I've been this week in particular. I've been listening to Iron Maiden nonstop. Oh, fuck. And it was really hard to pick an album for this show because so many of them would work well. So I just went with the one that's kind of considered their classic. Uh, And just because it has so many songs that deal with (laughs) horror movies in general. So it's going to be Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. I already have a couple of classic movies in my head for it. But But I got to listen to this specific album. Dude, listen to it. Yeah. Listen to it over and over and over again, yeah, okay. which is easy. I, which is excited. easy to do. Yeah, exactly. Iron Maiden no. albums, you can just exactly. burn no, through I'm them. Super man. excited! This is super. Yeah. You know, I will cool. say a quick story before we we go to our sponsor um, and our message before we we sign off. I was at a, uh, you know, because everything is Zoom now, right? I was on a Zoom meeting with a elderly lady, who um, we we call her we call them patient advisors. So. They're they're kind of they're they're volunteers, typically retired people that kind of speak on behalf of, of the patient experience, right? As this we, is uh, you work at a hospital, yeah, yeah. In terms of like how to make things better, right? So it's just like getting feedback from your customers, same, same yeah. kind of concept. So this lady's probably in her early seventies, um, and every time I've seen her in the hospital for these types of meetings in the last couple of years, she's always dressed very modestly, mm. and I mean she looks like everybody's grandma. And she's like very sweet, and you know, hello, soft-spoken, soft-spoken. And the, and so I log on to this Zoom meeting, and she's the first one on, and I'm the second one on, and she has her camera on, and I look at her T-shirt, and she's got a fucking Iron Maiden shirt oh, on. Oh, dude, I wish she was my grandma. And I was like, <laughs> hey, you know, blank. It's like, is that an Iron Maiden T-shirt? And she's like, oh my god. My favorite band. Wow. <laughs> and it fucking blew my mind. Dude, their fan base is so far reaching. <laughs> it is insane. Yeah. I mean, people that don't even consider themselves metal fans fucking mm-hmm. love Iron Maiden. Yep. And people that are that only listen to heaviest of heaviest metal music fucking love Iron Maiden. Yep. I mean, it's a it's a great uh, I'm so I'm so glad you picked this. The only thing that could have been better is if you picked a uh, I don't sticks. know. <laughs> sticks. Sticks. Uh, limp biscuit. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the chocolate <laughs> hot dog album. <laughs> the chocolate meatloaf. All right. Well, uh, all right. It's we're at fifty-eight minutes. So, um, Stez, let's open some fan mail, baby. <laughs> I, I forgot it this week. All right, we got no fan mail. There wasn't any anyway. All right, well, uh, we're signing off. Oh, we're our sponsor. We do have a sponsor. It's by this new business called SF Eats. Oh, Sfeets. ooh, Sfeets. Sfeets. Oh, well, Sfeets. You can ooh. get it at your uh, Berlin Game Farmers Market. Yeah, some delicious food. Oh yeah. So if any listeners are in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, in a few weeks, mid-September, Try some onwards. Sfeets. Come look up 
uh, Sweets, aka SF Eats, at the Burlingame Fresh Market it's, on it's Sunday a, mornings. It's a fresh market, not a farmer's market? It's called the Fresh Market at Burlingame. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday mornings. Every Sunday That's morning. That's some synergistic Sunday, shit Sunday, right Sunday. there, man. Yeah, Sunday fun day. And uh, it's, it's a great market. Lots of people. Uh, if you're afraid of COVID, don't come. Um, Very true. Unless you're, I don't know, wearing masks or something. But uh, yeah, great sponsor. Yeah. Uh, they've got great Cubanos, great Southwest salad, great uh, Riong pork belly, Cajun style pork belly over rice. Mm. With pickled red onions. With pickled red onions. So It's uh, going to be a good show. Come on by. And uh, I know we'll be eating a lot of that food. So uh, great episode, gentlemen. Mm. And uh, we're going to let a Cosmonauts Ruin close out as usual. Thank you all. Thank you. Again, sponsored by Pacific O <laughs> and Mescalero. And Mescalero. Magai is spotting. Good night, everyone. I said that. Or good morning, depending on when you're listening <laughs> to this fucking podcast, according to Stefan. Buenas noches. Buenas noches.